Hello, welcome to Science to the Tea. I'm Sky Smith, and today I'm sipping on a simple peppermint tea. I found myself drinking a lot more of this lately, probably because I've been a little stuffy from the dry weather. This week, we were supposed to have our first guest, but science is on its own schedule, so we'll be hearing from her next week instead. With that, go ahead and grab your favorite mug, and let's learn about microplastic pollution on Mount Everest. Today's paper was published in the peer-reviewed journal One Earth by Imogen Knapper and their team. I do love seeing collaborations like this one with people from different countries because it really shows that science has no boundaries. So this paper is all about microplastics and whether or not they've made it to Mount Everest. But first, what is a microplastic? Well, a microplastic is essentially any plastic material that is less than five millimeters big. It is estimated that somewhere between 93 and 236,000 tons of microplastics are currently floating on the sea surface around the world. This insane amount of plastic that is floating on our oceans likely comes from the massive increase in production of plastic materials such as single-use plastics and plastics used for clothing. Globally, we went from producing about 5 million tons of plastic in the 1950s to over 330 million tons just this past year in 2020. Holy moly. Okay, so we know that microplastics are all over the ocean, but just how far do they reach? In this paper, the group took snow and water samples during April and May of 2019 from various places on Mount Everest. Now, keep in mind, Mount Everest is 8,850 meters or about 29,030 feet above sea level. This group sampled all the way up to what is called the balcony, which is 8,440 meters up, almost the top. They found microplastics in every single sample they took. While they only took 19 samples total, it is pretty wild that there were microplastics in all of them. They also tested all of the microplastics they found to determine just what type they were. To do this, they analyzed samples with Fourier transform infrared spectroscopy, or FTIR for short. Try not to zone out with the name because it actually tells you how this method is done. Samples are analyzed by shining an infrared light at them. When you shine an infrared light at a sample, some of it is absorbed by the sample and some of it passes through. As a result, the detector on the other side of the sample gives you a spectrum that is basically the fingerprint of the sample. Infrared spectroscopy is a super useful tool because different fingerprints are generated from different chemical structures. Once you have the fingerprint of the sample, you can compare it to known fingerprints. This group found that the microplastics were made up of acrylic, polyester, nylon, and polypropylene. The smallest sample was 36 micrometers, and this was polyester, and the largest was 3 millimeters long, and that was a piece of acrylic. Gross. They also found that the largest concentrations of microplastics were in the snow rather than in the stream water, and the majority were polyester. Out of all of the samples, there was an average of about 30 plastic pieces per liter of collected snow or water, with the highest containing 119 plastics per liter. Ugh. Now we know that basically anywhere a human can go, so can plastic pollution, even in relatively remote places such as close to the top of Mount Everest. But who cares, right? It's just plastic. And if it's so small, shouldn't it just like roll on out of us? I wish it were that simple. 
While we are still learning a ton about just how toxic microplastics are and which kinds are worse than others, studies have found some pretty alarming effects. Though the majority of research has been focused on the effects of microplastics on marine animals because of the ocean being so coated with them, a few have looked at land animals and human cells too. When researchers have explored the effects of microplastics on marine animals, they have found that these plastics are clogging the intestines, which leads to less feeding due to already feeling full. They've also seen even more changes at the cellular level, such as decreased stomach enzyme production, an imbalance of hormone levels, and even reduced ovulation and infertility. Now, these problems might not sound all that bad, but on a global level, Imagine just how much it could harm marine life. When researchers have looked into this with mice and human cells, they found even more evidence that these things are really nasty. Mice exposed to microplastics had increased inflammation throughout their body, liver problems, gut dysfunction, and even metabolic disorders in the offspring that were never exposed. Along with this, human cells exposed to microplastics have increased inflammation, messed up mitochondria, wonky cell membranes, and in some cases, slows cell division or even kills them. So maybe we should care. Plastic doesn't just roll on out of us. It actually gets stuck and causes problems with so many cellular processes. What's even scarier is that microplastics have already been found in human placentas. What happens if they cross the placenta and enter into a developing fetus? We don't know yet. With that, now we know just how far microplastics are reaching and some of the harmful effects that this pollution might be causing. Thank you for listening to this episode on Science to the T. Stay tuned for more information. Yay! Thank you for listening to Science to the T. Please rate or comment to help me make this the best learning experience possible. Please feel free to reach out at sciencetothetea at gmail.com if you want to hear about any specific topics, I'd love to know what you guys want to listen to. Tune in next week as we have our first guest, soon to be Dr. Odell, who will share with us her research in the field of neuroscience. This is going to be really fun. <laughs>